We're back, Flat Out RC Podcast, the podcast that covers all things radio control flight. We're talking planes, helis, drones. Uh, my name's Andrew Sill. I'm the host of this wonderful program. Thanks for joining me once again. Thanks to all those people that have subscribed to the Flat Out RC Podcast. They keep on rolling along and another great episode with an international guest. This week's guest is Jim T. Graham from RC Groups and uh, Flying Giants. He's the man behind it all that keeps the ship rolling. So uh, it was good to have a chat with Jim over the internet um, all the way from uh, the US. So stay tuned to hear my chat with Jim T. Graham. But before we get into it, let's have a look at what's been happening around the traps. Well, we're back into lockdown here in Melbourne, Australia, uh, in Victoria, the state of Victoria, or really it's metropolitan Melbourne, and uh, one other shire, is it called the Mitchell Shire, I think it is. Uh, we are locked down for the next six weeks, and I tell you what, it's damn depressing. Uh, that's six weeks of sitting around at home again. Uh, yes, we can build model aeroplanes, but you know, I've already been through lockdown, and I've almost finished every project, and now it's just a couple, like I need half a day, and I've I've done everything. Uh, I Oh, sorry, I do have, uh, there's a little indoor foamy that I've got to build, so I'll, I'm going to try to get that done in the next six weeks, which I should be able to do. Uh, so as yet, we don't know what that means for model flying because the way the regulations sort of are written up, I think you probably a flying club could open uh, because model flying is considered a, a sport. And it was interesting, I read somewhere online that uh, the Nepean Club down the coast is opening up the, and they double-checked with the local police and council or whatever, whoever they need to speak to. And uh, they said, yeah, it's okay because you're allowed to play golf. So the whole thing was, well, why couldn't you go and fly a model aeroplane? So I think there's various different approaches. My old club has shut down. Um, look, the, probably the responsible thing to do is to actually shut down. I think that uh, ethically, I would probably shut the club down. But legally, I think that you could uh, you could get you could allow at least ten, up to ten people to fly at a flying club. But anyway, I'll leave it up to those club leaders. But again, it started that whole debate about all oh, the VMAA and the MAAA and what do they want. I'll just remind everybody again: clubs are independent bodies. Right? It doesn't matter what the MAAA and the VMAA think; it's what the government says. If you can meet the government regulations, then you're allowed to open your club. So understand that everybody wants the MAAA and the VMAA to say something, but realistically, they just say things for I don't know what reason, because people expect them to say something. So uh, I don't need the VMAA or the MAAA to tell me when to jump. Uh, my local flying club will tell me when to jump. Anyway, uh, look, news around the hobby is pretty low. There, there ain't there ain't much happening out there. Um not many new products. This whole COVID thing has really put a damper on companies' abilities to release new products and develop new products. The whole supply chain's a bit stuffed. So what I'm going to do over the next, you know, coming weeks or however long I keep on going this um, with, is I'm just going to profile some local hobby shops here in Australia that I think you should take a look at. And uh, they're free plugs. I'm not asking them for their permission. I'm just going to tell you all about them. So today's first business off the rank is i want to give a big shout out to the guys at albury rc models and hobbies they are loaded located in uh in albury um new south wales which is on the border of victoria new south wales in lavington which is basically on the outskirts of 
Albury, um, one part of the city of Albury, really. And the guys there do a wonderful job. It's like a hidden gem, Albury RC models, that they they stock a lot of the products that other people don't have. And they stock products for the avid uh, aero modeler. So my friend Dominic the Peanut, for example, he dropped in and saw them and noticed that they had floats. Uh, these, you know, for 30cc size planes or whatever it was. And he didn't realize they had them. And, uh, because they're very, very hard to find, some of those niche little things. Well, Aubrey RC uh, are doing a good job. They've got a lot of kits in stock and a lot of components. Uh, they also bring in some of their own brands of stuff. So, um, oh, like um, Sullivan Products, you know, uh, as an example, they became distributors of Sullivan Products. So they're, they're hobbyists themselves and very, very supportive of the flying scene, especially in that uh, northern Victoria region. If there's any events there, you'll probably see the guys there. Uh, so what kind of stuff have they got? I'm just on their website now. They've got drones. They've got RC cars, boats, RC aircraft, RC accessories. And let's go and have a look at RC accessories, right? Because that's the one that we all look for, right? That, that's how I judge a good hobby store is by their accessories because you can buy kits pretty easily. But... Have they got a good selection of Dubro stuff? Yes, they do. You want you want glow plugs, you want silicon tubing, Dubro deflectors. This is just on their first page. They've got ba lipo batteries, dual sky lipo batteries, turnbuckles, uh, wheels, you know, prop, APC props. Uh, they've got a heap of stuff. So you can tell that you know, straight away, I can tell that they've got plenty of stuff for the uh, for the aero modeler, uh, glues. Um, I think they, they, I think they also may distribute the deluxe range of products, glues and things like that. Um, I think so. Can't remember. I thought they might have it, um, but anyway, they have got that stuff in stock. I see they've got a, a model stand here. Uh, model airplane display stand, silver. I need something like that for my uh, for my jet. It's interesting. Um, Pilot figurines, motors, spinners, you name it. So Albury RC Models and Hobbies website, Albury RC, A-L-B-U-R-Y, rcmodels.com.au. Of course, they've got their online store. That's where you go there because not all of us live near Albury. There's plenty plenty there. And as I said, if I just go to their kits, right, I'm just navigating now. I'll have a look at their RC aircraft. No doubt they've got a great selection of foamies, but their stock, um, here's some stock, right? Phoenix Model Scanner in stock. Uh, E-Flight Carbon Z T28 BNF Basic in stock uh, FMS uh, Models Olympus in stock uh, Fox Glider with flaps in stock Kelmato, Kyosho Kelmato Alpha 40 Sports in stock uh, Seagull Stucker in stock That's what I'm seeing. I think you get the gist uh, they're bringing, they've got a lot of stuff Black Horse Aircraft, I think they might be doing Black Horse I can't know, is it VQ? They're doing something. Could be Black Horse or VQ. I can't remember. Should know these things. Zlin. If you want a Zlin, they've got one. Got them. Um, FMS uh, EDFs. The A10 Thunderbolt V2. Got it in stock. I think you get the gist. They've always got plenty of stock. So well done to the team at Albury RC Models and Hobbies. AlburyRCmodels.com.au is the website. Call them on. 02-6025-0497. That's 02-6025-0497. But get onto their website. You'll see what they've got. AubreyRCmodels.com.au. Thanks, guys, at AubreyRC for doing what you do and committing to the hobby.
so that we have somewhere to buy our stuff so that we can go and have some fun. So take a look at them, or we are seeing models and hobbies. I always say this is my favourite part of the podcast, and it's true because then you just don't need to hear my voice. It's our special guest time, and this week's guest is none other than Jim T. Graham. Now, I had a great chat with Jim. He's an awesome guy. He's a real character of the hobby. So Jim's uh, claim to fame is that he's worked in the hobby industry for a long time, and uh, but uh, he's most well known as being the guy that runs the forums. That's uh, uh, RC Groups and Flying Giants and Helifreak as well. Uh, and he's the guy that's selling the advertising, coordinating content, uh, creating a lot of content as well uh, that they put out there. And I, I really wanted to get Jim on, not only because he's a character in the hobby, but uh, he's he's really representing a major online channel. And, and the roles, we discussed the roles at Forum Play, which I still think are extremely valid and very important in our hobby. They've been an awesome way in which to share information across across the masses so the world's changed a lot uh you know that we've seen sort of the decline of print-based magazines and now things moving more online and forums have been at the forefront of that so please enjoy my chat that i had with uh, the man himself jim t graham jim t graham it's a pleasure to have you on the flat out rc podcast thanks for joining me I can't believe that I'm all the way uh, so far away in a different country right now. Well, let's tell the, the the listeners where are you currently located? I currently live in Nashville. I think I moved here around 1996, and I grew up on a ranch in the middle of nowhere, Texas, surrounded by guns and uh, cattle. And ultimately, we raised exotic animals. We had zebra, antelope. Uh, we had llamas, buffalo, and then all the things that surround that stuff. And so I lived there until I went off to college and then finally made my way to Hollywood. And Nashville is the last place I stopped. Now, let's just talk about that. that Because um, I was doing a bit of research on you and uh, you sound like a cowboy. You're a true cowboy. Now, the, <laughs> the you went to Hollywood. Now, tell everybody, what were you doing in Hollywood? The reason, so you or everyone out there is listening. They can't see me. I just looked over my shoulder. I literally had a 1922 Colt pistol in my hand about an hour ago. Um, this is a side story. I'm friends with a guy who makes, uh, I make leather, and this guy made all the holsters in the movie Tombstone and a bunch of other movies. So he said, he asked me if I had a Brill holster from 1922, and I did. So um, I grew up on this ranch in Texas. And I was, my dad was ex-Marine Corps. So I got my first pistol 45 when I was 12. Um, I had a job of anything that attacked our animals. It was my job to go out in the middle of the night and go after them, which was exciting and fun back in the day. And uh, we started out with buffalo. We started out with Hereford cattle. And then we got a buffalo. And then we got llamas. And it went on and on and on. And uh so the very first part of my life was really some of the most exciting times because of all the crazy stuff that happened. Yeah. And then, so you were, okay, educated in Texas and then uh, you went to university. What did you study at university? I went to Baylor University where there's no drinking or dancing. And uh, you had to study the Old and New Testament. 
And uh, my dad wanted me a bit, me to be a business major, but I wanted to be in film and movies. And that's ultimately uh, film is what I majored in. And then with $1,000 in my pocket, I drove to Hollywood, California and uh, was going to make it. And so that comes back to my pistol upbringing. Um, really, I, I had some jobs in movies that took a while to get my foot in the door. But my real first job that paid money was a weapon specialist on a movie where all I did was I'd read the script, go down to the place where you rent guns, rent the appropriate weapons, and then I handled the weapons on the movie. And the main goal there is to not let anyone get killed because these actors were constantly doing anything you could do. It was like kids. And so uh, I spent about six to seven years in Hollywood. So I, uh, I was a weapon specialist, and then that led to being a prop master, which actually kind of is very RC related doing props because like uh, I did a Martika's kitchen video and they asked me to make a rose bloom, three roses bloom on screen. This is before computers, of course, that could do it. And so I had to figure out how to make roses bloom on the camera. And it's pretty amazing how that leads into guitars and how uh, all my guitar stuff behind me all came from my uh, working with RC balsa and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, so the, your time in Hollywood, you uh, I've noticed that you, you were involved with a number of different movies. Uh, what brought that to an end? Well, <laughs> it's a good story. I, uh, I worked, the, the most famous people I worked with back then was probably more in video. So I worked with Madonna and Neil Young. He's wearing my boots and rocking in the free world video. And um, the boss and uh motley crew so I, I did all that kind of stuff and so the the question the question of how i left hollywood it wasn't the series of bad relationships well wait no that actually was why i left hollywood i was <laughs> i was in the probably now that i'm honest um i was in the riots i was right in the middle of that i was in the northridge earthquake i was in the forest fires the mudslides in malibu and uh, after all that, it was really the women that drove me out of that town. I thought if I'm ever going to get married, I have to leave L.A. Yeah. yeah. And I did. And I moved to Nashville and I married a girl two years later. Well, there you go. Because well, crazy times. We're talking about the 80s here, aren't we? 90s, early 90s. Early yeah. 90s. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy time. But the um, so you moved to Nashville and uh, what happened there? So I go to Nashville and... Um, I started doing country music videos, which is awesome. I don't know if you, uh, Charlie Daniels just died. Yeah. And I grew up listening to Charlie. I had a 78 international scout four by four truck and it was always country music. Cause I'm in Texas and, and some, you know, ACDC yeah. and, uh, I always listened to Charlie. And so like, I, I was able to work with Charlie on long haired country boy. And I walked into a studio and he said, you should be the long haired country boy. So not only did I get to work with Charlie back in the day, I was actually in the video as the long haired country boy in the video. And you've so still, and you've it, still kept that long hair. Yeah, I still got it. So it's my son is 17. Now he's as big as I am six foot three. And uh, he's got long, his hair looks like mine used to, you know, he looks good. Like we we're walking yesterday and a lady slowed down to tell him how nice his hair looked. That's how good <laughs> this boy's hair looks. Yeah. And my wife has long blonde hair and my daughter has long blonde hair. And so uh, now I just kind of have long shaggy hair. Yeah. But uh, 
so I come to Nashville, I do country music videos. And ultimately I had this idea of doing an online music label. This is uh, the early days of the internet. Yeah. And so I uh, had an online music label here in Nashville and I got some backing and I amassed the world's largest catalog of digital country music ownership. Oh, really? And this was in 2000. So I don't know uh, what you were doing in 2000, but I'll tell you what you were not doing. You were not listening to digital music because no one had an MP3 player and they had yet to figure out how to put MP3s on phones. Yeah, that's true. I remember we had uh, Napster came a bit before that where we could download yeah. files. And I remember yeah. a two megabyte file used to take like five minutes to download because, you know, we had the dial up connections and all those kind of things. But yeah, it's very, very early days. I was right in the middle of the Napster. And uh, so in uh, two and a half years later, the investors came to me and they said that they thought digital music was not viable. And weren't they? And they, and, <laughs> and they diluted the company. Uh, and, and, so, and so that's an interesting jumping off point. Now, during this label is when I started flying RC. I went to a garage sale right after all this ended and bought uh, somebody had built a plane but never flown it. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was five bucks and cool. Yeah. And it was a 40 size trainer. And I bought it, brought it home, and then there's an RC field a mile up the up the road from my house, and I took it. And uh, the guy that helped me with it said that he wondered what a hippie was doing at the RC field, and I had my daughter, and he said I thought maybe he'd kidnapped a baby, but <laughs> they turned out to be really good friends. And so every day I'd bring the plane, and they'd be like, "You need to buy servos, you need to put them in, you need to put the control." It took me a month to put this airplane together, and the first time it took off. It blew my mind that this thing that I had had my hands on could literally fly around the sky and then come back down. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I it, really couldn't. It's it was, really, it's that simple, isn't it? That, uh, that's what the same way that I feel about it. The, when I was a young kid seeing this thing that I could take this plane off, fly it around and then bring it back. That I had control of this thing flying around just absolutely fascinated me. It still does that, that, that yeah. simplicity of it all is just still an amazing thing. Really. I remember uh, driving to the field, knowing that I was going to maiden it, and my hands were shaking before I even got close to the field yeah. because I'd had so much time, you know, and I thought so much money. Like, if I crash this, can I never do RC again? You know, this is pre-bind uh, something that was bind and fly or anything yeah. like that. And so after that, I went to a – so what am I doing right now? I guess I can't work – I wasn't working at the label – because they uh, they blew it to pieces and they had a two-year non-compete. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I met, I was flying every day and I, and I took all the stuff I learned from the online music label and I reapplied it to RC. So I was doing build videos and, and, uh, vid and uh, build photos and the whole thing. And I ran into Jim Martin, the owner of Hobby Lobby. Do you remember Hobby Lobby? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So Hobby Lobby is the first RC company to actually uh, sell, really sell electric RC airplanes. Mm. There were others, but this is the one guy who really laid down on it and said, I'm going to only sell electric RC airplanes. And we're talking about, this is around 2000 still? This is probably 2003, 2004. Yeah. Okay. So we're really moving along with electric aircraft at that stage. So it hasn't popped yet, right? But it's about to. So mm. Mr. Martin says, shakes my hand, and he says, I've seen your stuff on RC, probably online at the time, maybe RC Universe. And he said, and, and one day I want you to work for me. I want you to be my marketing guy. 
And uh, then I went to work for CMT and I did a show called Inside Fame. And we did biography uh, documentaries on country music stars, which was awesome. If you love country music and you want to meet everyone that you've ever thought was cool, this was that job. job. Yeah, that's awesome. So then Jim got pretty serious and it turned into he the marketing uh, job opened up. It was my dream job. This is a funny side story. Right before this happened, I got called into the the president's office of this uh, of this production company. And he said, look, I got to talk to you about your internet usage. And he said, you know, I, I do have to have a conversation like this with guys like you every so often. And he said, but usually it, it involves websites about women. And he said, but that's not what I'm bringing you in for. He said, I am monitoring your internet usage and you're on the RC forums way too much. So he had to pull me in his office because I was on RC forums more than he felt comfortable with. And then a week later, I worked at Hobby Lobby International. Yeah. And, And so you were the marketing guy there. And how long did you stay there? So I was there about two and a half years, which up to this point is, it seems to be a theme, but um, at this point, lithium polymers just came out. Outrunner motors just came out and we had uh, exclusivity on jetty speed controllers, axi motors, and man, I'm forget FMS, if FMS, I'm forgetting the, uh, the, the lipo packs, but we were making 50% markup on everything. And this is when the hobby went from just being the hobby to blowing up Mm. and so jim and and his team i didn't have anything to do do with this they were the first people to have a website that said if you buy this plane you need this motor this speed controller this battery and these servos and this transmitter would be good too yeah and and so they're the guys who kind of revolutionized all that stuff at this point we started advertising on rcgroups.com and they kind of you know i was the marketing guy so they said call them up and see what you can start making, make, you know, the magic over there. And so we quickly became the number one advertiser on RC groups. A lot of the, interestingly enough, a lot of the ads I sell today on RC groups are ads I created when I worked at Hobby Lobby. Mm-hmm. I would be like, Hey, could I have this? Could I have this? And so that's when it started to flip over to RCG. Yeah. And so you were approached by the founder of RC groups to, to come on board at that point. So I left Hobby Lobby to start my own company called Billy Hell RC. That's right. Is it? Yeah. I took all the money I had and uh, uh, the president of Hobbico told me not to do it. He said, Jim, I'm just going to tell you, he had tried to hire me and, and, and I said, I can't, I'm starting my own company. And he said, please don't do it. And then I talked to Jim Burke and I told him how much money I had and what I was going to do. And he said, don't do it. Yeah. And I said, I have to do it. So I did. And uh, I was making ARFs in America that were profile 3D planes. Yeah. yeah. And they were awesome. But uh, my production line started to break down. I tried to move to China and China kept, uh, they would send me one plane, then build another, then make it two pounds heavier. And so um, I lasted with Billy Hell for two years and I had sold my last kit. And so now I'm selling kits and this uh, one male lady uh, that I kept selling a kit to this guy, she would fold the kit in half and put it in his mailbox. It's perfect. Then he would, 
Yeah, he'd email me and say, Jim, they broke another kit. Can you send me? So I sold him, or I sent him a second kit. So by the third kit, I walked upstairs and I said to my wife, I have to quit this business. Yeah. And then the phone rang, I guess, three days later. And it was Jim Burke of RC Groups. And he said, you have to run RC Groups. And I said, okay. And, and that was, I think, 16 years ago. Okay, so... When he said you run RC groups, what did it actually entail? Well, I had no idea. Now, I, I advertised in RC groups, and I used it every day at this point. I'd, I'd left RC. Actually, they kind of threw us off at RC Universe uh, because of the Profile Brotherhood. We sort of revolted against the moderators in RC Universe. I didn't. All yeah. the pros did. Maybe I did. I don't remember it. So now I was exclusively only on RC groups, and they kind of gave, gave me a document. And in the document, they had tried to put everything a man might need to know to run that website. I still have it. Uh, it's, it's, it's literally on that computer right there. And uh, I still do it to this day. So when you run RC groups, you have to take care of all the users, all the advertisers, um, the moderation I've kind of stepped away from. I still am top line moderation. I make the ultimate decision on everything if I have to. And I don't know, do you have any, uh, like, what do you think running a web forum would be like? Well, it's interesting. It's that uh, I think that it's a lot more complex than what people think. And that, uh, and over time, I suppose forums have sort of changed and they were, you know, they, they play a certain role. And I think that it's not only are you selling the advertising and, and the financial aspect of running the forum, there's the technology side and, uh, and I just don't know how you moderate these 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 forums because one of my beliefs with forums is there's, there's two types of content. They're the guys, the whiners that get on there and want to complain about something because now they've got a platform where they can just sit there and complain about their you know flying association or club or whatever. And then there's the ones that are really really helpful that are providing information on you know a build for example. The build uh, 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 posts are really great right. and, and yeah. personally. The most value I've got out of forums is I've just bought a 3D hobby shop, 104 inch slick, and I want to know what yeah. servos to put in and that kind of stuff. And I really see those, those forums as being strong. So, you know, flying giants came into it as well. So, were you managing all the the, the forums that that Jim Burke had created at that point in time? Yeah. So, um, by the time FG came around, I was pretty. I, I was. I knew exactly what I was doing and how to do it with RC groups. FG was unique because now it's like, it's like taking on a different country. It's all these people. And, and some people I think believe that the people on FG are the same people on RC groups. And that's almost not yeah. the case at all. I was going to ask a little crossover. Yeah. I was going to ask a question about that. How, how do they differ? Well, you know, everybody, every, well, I, I think the difference is more on flying giants. Those guys are serious about giant scale planes. They're going to spend a lot of money on them and they're going to, they're highly technical because you're, it's such an expensive build and uh, it takes so much more to get a plane like that in the air. Uh, you really have to know what you're doing and you have to know how to fly. So technical wise, these guys are like a whole different level. I'm not saying people like that don't exist on RC groups, but on RC groups, you have rock crawler, RC car guys, you have boat guys, you have people that only buy planes uh, that are ready to fly. And then you also have giant scale guys and jet guys and all the other guys, but the only people on flying giants 
are scale and 3D giant scale guys. And so, and so they're just a different group of people over there. And the real trick was getting in it, you know? Yeah. And I think I follow flying giants, of course. And, uh, and I've got large scale aircraft, especially aerobatic aircraft is one of my passions. So, you know, keeping up to speed with the latest extreme flight planes and what Jace the Ace Deuce is up to and all those kind of things is something that I, that I regularly look at and engage with. And I also find that the, the commentary on flying giants is a little bit different. Um, Again, not having a go at the people on RC groups, but the level of discussion is a bit different. It's almost like there's this assumption that, yep, we already know about these aircraft. We already about the quality. We already know about the yeah. basics of flying. We're operating at a more senior level in a kind of way because, like you said, we're dealing with larger aircraft. When it comes to, you know, how, how are you moderating these forums nowadays? Um, you know, in the early days of moderating RC groups before I moderated FG and I did personally moderate all the sites. It was, I've got to say, it really takes a toll on your emotional state because you're spending hours a day listening to people that have like, some people are seriously have problems. Other people just have things that you need to help them with. And that's my favorite, but um, they report it. We look at it. Every report that comes through every site, uh, and some people don't think this is true, but it is every report that comes through is looked at by a real moderator and a decision is made that which links you to the, to whatever uh, the post is. And you go take a look. And after doing it for so many years, you know, over a decade, we've kind of honed it down in a way where if this, then that is uh, there's, there's some guesswork and some things that you have to really think about as far as what you personally feel but we've, we've got a moderation system that we pretty much know we do this if this happens. You know? Yeah. So really through experience, you've built up a, a great knack of moderating posts because sometimes they do get out of hand and you and people have to step in. And, um, oh. and and that's the other thing. When you're new, you don't know when something's gone too far, you know? But when, when you've moderated uh, the same warning or the same type of thing or the same type of crazy uh, you know, let's say a thousand times, you know, when things have gone too far. I, and I tell you what else I can know. If you've created three accounts to come in and troll a company or a site or something, I can smell it at this point. Yeah. But I, I always go in and uh, let's say that I've got a guy and he's been banned, but he's back and he's after someone and that kind of stuff. I have zero tolerance for, especially if there's any kind of, it, it, I just don't have any tolerance, but I have techniques of going in and verifying who it is. So always make sure that I'm right. Yeah. But uh, after you do it long enough, you you can see it. Like you can go bink, bink, bink. I know what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as time has gone on, uh, there are other communication, digital communication channels that have come in, such as Facebook and the social media thing. And I think that forums still have their place in that mix. Has have those new channels really affected participation in forums? You know, um, when I really paid no attention to Facebook in the early days, even though I was on it, you know, for family stuff, but then it became pretty clear that uh, Facebook was pulling from our forums and um, where somebody might post about an event on our site. Now they're posting it on Facebook. So, at first I was pretty concerned about Facebook, but then I realized that if I go to the field and I have a plane in my hand and I have to know the CG before I throw it in the air, I can't go to Facebook and find that. 
that's never going to happen for anyone. There's no way to do it. But I know I can go to RC groups and type the name of the plane, comma CG, and I'm going to find it. And so um, I call content on Facebook, which has its place, uh, evaporative. You post it, it evaporates. It's gone. It's there for a minute, and then it's gone. But you post it on RC groups, and it's going to be there, I mean, at this point, for 16 years, since 1996. That stuff still exists on the site. So it does have its place. It frustrates me that people use Facebook sometimes instead of RC groups for certain things, but I can't really... All I can do is make RC groups as good as I can and uh, hope that people use it. Yeah, and no, I think you're right. That uh, I love that word, like how the, the content evaporates on social media. And, and I work in marketing and I say that to my customers that you put the post up and it's gone in 20 seconds often. It, it's, it's done and dusted. Whereas, like you said, with the forums, you know, as I said, I've used the forums extensively when I'm researching aeroplanes and it's such a great resource uh, to utilize. The... The numbers, the volume of traffic that you're seeing through the forums now, you know, I'll take a guess that it's probably a down on what it used to be, but how strong is the following now on the different platforms? Um, I'll tell you one thing, Flying Giants has never wavered through um, the recession, you know, and, and everyone's like, ah, ah, ah. The one thing that's always stayed amazingly, always exactly the same is Flying Giants. Yeah. And uh, RC Groups has uh, wavered a little bit due to uh, uh, Facebook. And I think Heli Freak, Heli Freak and helicopters are a very interesting topic. Yeah. But there's still people on there going crazy. And, and uh, Heli Freak is the number one heli site now. Um, on RC Groups, the thing that blows my mind is sometimes I'll go through and look for threads and I'll see a thread that has 900,000 views or uh, 2 million views or something like that. And and these are the only reason I see these threads is they're at the top of the forum, which means people are still on it, still going, mm. talking about this airplane or this drone or quad or whatever. So it's still viable out there and important. In fact, I'm excited. Today was a big day. I signed Futaba Radio, uh, Futaba USA on as an advertiser on RC groups. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, I, and that's important to everybody, you know? And I think that that's one thing I've looked at um, through my involvement with the Flat Out RC brand. What I've tried to do here in Australia is what what RC Groups has created and Flying Giants and Helifreak is communication channels out to the marketplace between the manufacturer and the market. And I had a lot of trouble in Australia trying to get that message across that I've built these channels for you to leverage. Yes, you're going to have to pay some money, but understand it's not going to pay my mortgage. But those channels are hard to open up, and but you need to stay in, in touch with the with the uh, the marketplace. And I find that uh, flying giants, RC groups, that kind of thing is the relationship that the brand can have with the market is a lot more in depth. Because you know, for example, uh, Ali Machinchi has been a great uh, contributor to forums. Now he's I he's helping people understand. Here's this this model from Horizon Hobby. Here's what here how you can fit it out. You can open the lines of communication that people can send him messages and he'll reply. That now the relationship with that brand goes a bit bit deeper than just an ad placed in a magazine or you know something right. an email sent out or something like that. And so I'm hoping that more of the vendors really get behind what you're doing and uh, keep on keep on supporting it. And you've had support all along, haven't you? Really through the channels anyway. Yeah. 
And, and that's, you know, as a marketing guy, you know, I am the admin and the sales guy and the, I mean, all the other things that I do, but um, it's always great when a company comes out and says, Hey, what can we do? I'm looking at Gator RC right now in RC groups. And this is a father daughter team. And they came to me and I, I love working with companies and they say, here's who, here's who we are. What can we do with you? And then I come back to them and give them ideas. And my whole goal is to shine a light and make them successful. And, uh, once again, I've done this long enough that I know that my job really is to shine a light on the good stuff for the hobbyist and the hobby, because the only way the hobby is going to keep rolling forward is if we have new airplanes and new pilots and excitement and, and things like that. And so I understand fully that that is my primary job, even though my job is to make a living. Uh, all that stuff keeps me in the, in the hobby going. Yeah. And, and what I find though, it's interesting despite your role in sort of managing these forums, you're also very, very active and, and waving the flag for, for the forums at a lot of events uh, and putting yourself out there, shooting videos, you've had podcasts, you've had a lot of different uh, sort of content creation um, aspects as well. How uh, Now we're living in some weird times due to the whole uh, COVID outbreak and uh, we haven't had a flying event in Australia for, for months and months and months, which is devastating. But how many events are you trying to get to in a normal year? So I've got two things to talk about on this topic and, and the events are some of my favorite things to do every year. My wife always reminds me that when I come home from an event, I'm my happiness level increases tenfold because I get to shake hands, talk to all the people that are on the forum. Right. So in the earliest days of me, I was on the road like every month and uh, lately uh, my biggest show is Joe Nall, uh, Toledo, uh, we were doing Seth for a long time. And of course, now everything's kind of shaken up uh, and we'll see where everything lands. And so the second part of this is the minute Toledo was canceled, I had already been working on this idea for like five years, but would never pull the trigger. I had the first online trade show on RC groups and I sat down, I made myself uh, write it all down in two days. And I thought, I hope somebody responds. And I put it out there and I was blown away at all the companies, Horizon and uh, Sebart and companies that had just started. And I just had a, a stream and I didn't want to do too many because I wasn't sure if I could deliver. What am I delivering? Right. And so and I knew the show would show would teach me what I needed to learn. And it did. And so like we sold uh, mustache models out of product halfway through the show. They were out of everything. And um so that was the first thing I did due to COVID. The other thing was another idea I had and never executed. And I, I determined it was because I was always at shows and I never had time to actually execute this. And that was the uh, online virtual Joe Nall. Yes. So did you, you got to see that? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I talked about it in the pod, one of my podcasts uh, to give it a plug. And I, I downloaded the, the Joe Nall uh site and i got on myself and had a bit of a play around i think because of the time differences weren't, there weren't many people around but uh but yeah i, I gave it a bit of a plug because i thought that was a great concept well i i thought okay i would i go on walks now uh, i used to exercise like sporadically and now that covid's hit i make my wife and i my, my son go for a walk around the neighborhood so we're going for a walk and i pitched the idea to my wife who uh she goes you got to do it Actually, she might have uh, spurred it on, but I came home and I spent 20 hours building the field. I didn't tell anyone I was doing this. I've learned, don't ask, don't tell, just do. I built it 
and then I, I had uh, Jeremy from Real Flight jump on like a chat with like we're doing right now. And I had him move around the field. He said, you got to fix this, this, and this. And then I called Rob, the marketing guy at Triple Tree, where they hold Joe Nall. And I, the only way I could think to really give him a tour is he and I got in a quad that had a camera and I flew the quad through the real flight field. And we started at the main gates. Yeah. And he, and I wasn't sure I, I needed his permission. I felt like to do it. And he just started laughing. And when we got to the main line and I turned around and revealed like the hanger and I, he started laughing more and I knew that it was going to be a go. Yeah. And, and it was really cool. A lot of people reacted very positively to it. Yeah. And I think that's interesting in this, this time of COVID where we are having to think a little bit differently. And one thing I've noticed here in Australia, and I don't know whether it's the same in the US, that sales of hobby products have gone through the roof. The local distributors so, can't keep up. I've been making, when it first hit and, and everyone shut down, I mean, when everything shut down, I started making phone calls. Like my favorite phone call was Esprit. He's the first guy I called. Yep. And uh, he had a, a radio uh, forum sponsorship that was expiring. And I called to see if I could get him back in. And he said, Jim, I'm selling more than I've ever sold before. And I was like, really? He said, I selling more than last year. Um, and so I was like, wow. And I keep hearing this from companies. It's, it's amazing the psychology because here in Australia, no doubt it's the same around the world. And it just shows you how we are all the same, really. You know, when the whole Corona thing hit, everybody went to buy toilet paper. And it was just this, this thing that everybody went had to go and buy toilet paper. We got <laughs> over that, but the, the bike sales went through the roof. Um, I've got a friend of mine that has a bike shop and he said his sales are up 50%. Yeah. Uh, inline skates, roller skates, things like that. There's a business near me, near my office. It said it's like Christmas. And I was talking to one of the, the, the local hobby distributors who does a lot of the Horizon hobby brand stuff. And uh, they said, we just can't keep up with the demand. They're buying in stock to fill back orders. And so the st it's not even hitting the shelf. It's just got, coming in and going out. And it's just amazing how even... You know, same in the US, a lot of people have lost their jobs, but people are spending more than ever on these 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 hobbies. It's almost like we don't know what else to do, so we'll just go and buy another model airplane. So it's good for the industry. It's what, what the industry needed. And it's it I think it's creating more people building than before because uh ZB was talking about how they're buying all the little stuff that they never really bought before. So, you know, it's it's changing the uh, terrain of the hobby, I think. I noticed through some of my channels, uh, social media channels that, especially say on Instagram, my Instagram page went crazy as soon as the Corona thing uh, came into right. effect. Is that, did you notice that with the forums as well, that uh, there were more people getting online? I had a 30% plus increase because I immediately was like, hey, I'm going to go look at my numbers. And uh, everything just went woof through the roof for numbers yeah yeah it's it's just it's it's just really interesting times and i don't know whether we'll experience this again in our lives but uh there's just so much going on in the u.s in australia you know our numbers aren't nowhere near what's happened we've been we've been pretty good but as i was saying to you off air that where i live we've got now another six-week lockdown forced upon us so no flying for six weeks. The, the saving grace is that it's getting cold where I live and it's wet. Ah. So going flying is really not a top priority at this time of year. But uh, 
But anyway, I think it, it mentally it's affecting people that we're back to where we were because we had a bit of a spike and they're trying to rein it all in. But hopefully the, the hobby shops have got plenty of stock to keep uh, keep us going through the next six weeks, which uh, they're, they're trying to get. Now, hopefully so. And I've been preaching that. And I've been calling up the companies that I, some people have reeled it in. And I'm like, look, this is not the time to reel it in, especially when people are online and people are buying and you need to get it going. And if you're not online, I, I spoke with a company that's more of a mom and pop shop. And I'm like, take this time and be able to sell and ship because if you don't, you'll be gone. Yeah. And I've been saying the same thing to a lot of my customers that I know some brands that have just gone quiet. They said, okay, cut marketing budget, just go quiet, yeah. don't say anything. I'm like that's just that's just crazy. You've got to keep active in some way, keep active. Um right. but they go, do they listen to us, Jim? No. No. They sit some there do. and the finance guys say no. Nah. But the ones that do are the ones that are gonna come out better off, I, I think. And um it's good to see brands like Extreme Flight that are really popular on Flying Giants. Every time they've got a new model, you get behind it. And of course, um, uh, Chris Hinson's a great guy. Now, your involvement with Chris Hinson runs deeper than model airplanes, doesn't it? Chris and I go all the way back to the very beginning of me in the hobby. And I was I was trying to think of when we actually first connected. It had to be at Toledo. Um, but I don't know that for certain. But uh, Chris and I go all the way back to, I think I just said that, to Hobby Lobby. Yeah. And so I've been around since his company began yeah. and he came to Nashville and hung out with me uh, one year at my event here in Nashville and we both play guitars. Yeah. And so of course, Chris uh, toured with the blues travelers and he's a great, phenomenal guitarist. And then we formed a band and this was my idea. It was the Septones was the first band. It was a band made of all RC industry people. So you just have Pete Goldsmith on. Pete was our bass player. Yeah. Chris was the lead guitar player. I'm rhythm. We had um, other Horizon uh, members in the band. And we were pretty, for a band who never played together, we were really good. Yeah. And so you were playing at like Jonal, uh, like events when yeah. everybody was there. You just bring your instruments and have a bit of a jam. The first, no, in the jam, we had a full on set list showtime. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, and you can find it, look up Nauman brothers on YouTube and it'll, it'll automatically say you're looking for the Allman brothers and you have to click. No, I want the <laughs> Nauman brothers. brothers and you can see the whole, the Nauman brothers had a full pedigree. We grew up in the back area of Joe Nall and we were, uh, the sons of old man Nauman. And uh, Jim Burke, uh, so the first year we did it, the second year Jim showed up and he had a fake beard and a hat and overalls and he, he plays slide guitar. He's a guitar collector. And uh, so he was there and we were pretty dang good. Of course, I, I learned real quick. I was in bands in Hollywood in the 90s. And uh, but I learned with this band that if you have a good enough lead guitar player, you can just lean back and still yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah. it's true. And I'll tell you what, Chris, um, in his, have you seen some of Chris's latest band, the the, the, the Pink Floyd uh Cover band, they are phenomenal. He, he came to Nashville and my daughter was too young to go. And my daughter is now 19, 18. Well, I should know. And she plays guitar every day. And so she gets to come in the room here and uh, we, they can't see it, but no, I have guitars 20, all around the room. Yeah. yeah. And she'll, she'll come in the room here and borrow a guitar and, uh, and she's a great picker, but she loves Floyd. And so uh, as soon as I decided to take her, COVID hits. Yeah. So we got to get 
COVID out of here so we can go see Chrissy. Well, uh, there is, uh, Chris sent me a, a link to, they did like an online kind of gig and he sent me a link to it and it was amazing. It is, they were so tight as a band and he was just absolutely spot on. And I sent him a message and said, that is just blew my mind, the production yeah. of it, but the band was just so good. And it was like best Pink Floyd cover band I've ever 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 seen it was just amazing and i spent some time with chris in china and of course we got on to talking about guitars and uh that kind of thing because I'm, I'm a guitarist myself been playing since i was a young kid and um so i shared shared a few stories and I, I, you know that's what i find interesting about this hobby is that no doubt there's a lot of people that are listening that are into guitars you're also into cars i've noticed that you've got a, a nice truck uh, an old truck tell us a bit about the old uh, old truck you got so when I was on that ranch in Texas, my dad, you know, we had Graham International, which is a truck dealership. It was founded the year I was born. And my dad built a shop behind our house in the middle of nowhere that was bigger than the house. And it had two airlifts. And it, I mean, it was like a, like going to a parts store. And so he restored old cars, 48 Lincoln, 76 Eldorado, which I still have. And uh, when I got married, I had a 55 F100 pickup truck, flamethrowers in the tailpipe. So it literally threw flames out the back. It had a rebuilt uh, 350, everything on it. And I sold it after I got married because that's what you do because you're crazy. And uh, the one thing I've always wanted to get back was my red truck. So the 66 came into my possession, I guess, a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago. And it's the pinnacle of everything I ever wanted. It has a 5.3 Vortec uh, motor in it, 4L60E, modern, modern drivetrain but it has power steering, disc brakes. It's a Corvette red. It's not crazy fast. Like if I hit the throttle, I won't fly off the road, but it's it's loud and fast enough to scare people. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen some of the photos of it. It looks absolutely, absolutely awesome. And it just shows you that you're a true, you got that true aero modeling mind. Do you consider yourself as being a tinkerer that you're, you're oh, into lots of different things? That's primarily what I am. I, uh, so I also tool leather. I make leather, everything, holsters, belts, you name it. If it's leather, I've got uh, a saddle sewing machine in the back and all that. And that is called a maker. So you have a maker's mark and I have a maker's mark. And that's when I realized that's what I am. I'm a maker, but I will attribute it to RC. You know, I was a prop master and a weapon ma or a prop man, a weapon master in Hollywood. So that's pretty handy things to be able to do. But when I started building airplanes, I had to learn about BASA had to learn about electronics. I learned, had to learn how to solder. I had to learn all these skill sets. And that directly, well, they can't see it. I'll, I'll pull it out in a second. That led to my first guitar build. I built a guitar out of 200-year-old barn wood and the best everything that I could get to put on it. And it was so successful that I started building amps and building more guitars and thought about doing that for a living for a little bit. And um, then the truck so the stuff that I've did to that 66, I don't think the 26 year old me would have ever even thought it was possible. I've had that truck from top to bottom, front to back, taken apart, put back together. And I really attribute it all to RC and all the stuff I learned to do here and yeah. the hobby. And that's true. But we've all got active minds. You, you, like, I'd see you as a true creator because you're across multiple different platforms. You're producing marketing content and videos and then the guitar stuff, the leather work, the car. How do you find all the time for everything? Okay. <laughs> so 
uh, we're the company that owns RC groups is vertical scope based out of Toronto. And they have, a, I've been there they have a giant building downtown Toronto in the fashion district. Everyone looks like they're out going to the supermodel show. I don't know. Uh, pretty cool. But, uh, when COVID hit, they started having these meetings and I would join on zoom and they were all like, How do, I can't cope. I've been at home for three weeks and I, I, well, I, I and, and then I realized I started thinking about it. All these things I do are coping mechanism for working at home for the last 16 years. Yeah. I've been in this room for 16 years, man. So <laughs> you, you got to do all that stuff. Yeah. No, I, I can't sit still. I'm always having to do something. And now, because we have this you know, lockdown coming, lockdown doesn't bother me because it means I can finish some projects. I've got all yeah. my aim with the previous lockdown was to have all my model aircraft flyable because you know we've always got something that needs a bit of maintenance or yeah, needs right. to be finished off and I, i've almost achieved that so now i've got another six weeks to achieve that and then i'm going to get the guitars out and i'm going to play a bit more guitar because i can't go anywhere so I, I, for me i'm i'm happy i'm okay but uh let's just talk a bit about your uh involvement in the hobby and and some of the aircraft that you've had you know where do you see yourself sitting are you you want the scale side of the fence or more aerobatics? Where are you? So when I started, first I just wanted to fly, but then I accidentally bought a profile plane at a at a swap meet, literally within just so early in my career, and it was forty bucks and it was handmade, and I still have it. It's in my garage. But uh, that's when three D first started, and uh, no one thought that we were going to ruin the hobby at that point in time, but. As soon as I bought that 3D play, and that's when I started the Profile Brotherhood, and 3D became kind of the thing. Then it became the thing that was going to ruin the hobby. Yeah. So, uh, and and Billy Hell was my online name, and so not only was my name Billy Hell, but I was running a group of hoodlums who only flew 3D, and we we're ruining the hobby. It's crazy. Like we had the same experience in Australia. I I wanted to run a 3D fun fly event, and I literally had clubs saying to me, "We don't want your type here." Right. Well, it's, well, I said, what's what's our type? What do you mean? <laughs> well, I did, and I, I don't know if I've ever admitted this, but I did model the Profile Brotherhood off of a motorcycle gang. So I just yeah. read a book about the founder of Hell's Angels, yeah. and I thought I'm taking all the things I've learned in this book, and I'm and I'm going to market and create the pro the logo, uh, you name it. It all came from the from I don't want to use any names, but. Um, so I, I did that for a long time. Then when I started working for RC groups, I had to fly everything because now I'm reviewing airplanes. So uh, in that, if you really want to get a flavor for what you like, become a reviewer. It's a lot, as you know, reviewing a plane, people think it's this sweet gig when really it's, you have to take a picture of every move you make. Yeah. It's, it's, and then if you, it's not fun. If you don't get the, well, if you get the picture, but then you got to get a video. So how do you videotape and take a picture and build it? It's all, it takes uh, 10 times longer than it would. And then when you go to the field, you can't crash that plane accidentally. You got to get a video and flight video or flight photos and all that stuff. So um, I got burned out. I don't know. It wasn't five years in. It was probably about six or seven years in. I got, I knew I was burned out and I wasn't sure what to do about it. I was still fully churning and going on RC groups and flying giants. And somebody sent me a Phantom four and said, I just want you to try it. So I go in the backyard, I fly it around and I'm like, uh, this is awesome. I need a camera. So then I got into that and then I got into FPV and FPV really lit the fire again. Then I got into scale FPV 
So I started putting my FPV pan and tilt, which was talking to my goggles into cubs and uh, stuff like that. And, and that's when I was like, okay, I'm out of the drone business. All I want is FPV winged aircraft. And so now I'm at the point where all I want is FPV and airplanes I can take off and land in because I really want to take off and land a lot. Yeah, and that, it's something that um, I spoke to Thomas Bitmata, who was on the podcast Australian Drone Racer, and he's actually talking about that as well, that he really wants to get more into FPV wings. And he said he'd love to do an aerobatic routine FPV. And I think I've had this dream. Imagine if we could have giant scale aerobatic planes mimicking the Red Bull air races and it's flown FPV. I think that would be awesome. So what I'm seeing for this, I've already, I, I have pitched this idea to a couple of people. So um, Jim Burke, the previous owner and founder of RC Groups, flies full scale. He's president of the EAC now and competes na uh, nationally. So he's had me up in his competition plane. So when you're flying competition uh, full scale, you look out on the wing and there's that little, there's a name for it, the triangular thing that lets you see what you're doing. And so I'm like, what if an FPV, you have all that real stuff so you can uh, look out your wing FPV wise and do it just what your daughter needs you back there. Your daughter's waving. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because they're on school holidays. It's tricky business. And I've, I've, I've said them because I, I, I record it in my bedroom because it's nice and quiet. And of course, I've told them, oh, don't interrupt me. I've got a very important guest. And of course, yes, you couldn't help yourself. Yeah, right, right. Yes. But um, I totally see that. Uh, now, it would cost a lot of money if you made a mistake. That's the only problem. Thing. We need a sponsor. Uh, that's you well, know. Let me say this to you. If you're in FPV, it really doesn't matter if the plane's huge or small because when the camera, it's all the same size. That's true. So you can have like a 40 size. But you need that. You need the head tracking, don't you, really? Well, if you're going to look out the window, I, I used to head tracking on my goggles for a while, but then I realized sliders made me feel more comfortable. Oh, really? So I, I put left and right or up and down and left and right on sliders. So it would slide this way and that way. Oh, really? So yeah, because yeah, that makes sense. That's a good idea. But now... I have to admit to you, I'm starting to fall back into traditional line of sight, 3D flight. Yeah. All the way back around. Well, my my passion is really uh, freestyle aerobatics, 3D, that kind of thing. And I think that plays to my mindset where I am the, the tinkerer and that I'm always trying to amass skill and, and learning. And uh, that's what I enjoy about aerobatics is that you're never going to master it. It's like a golf swing. You're never going to totally, totally master it. There's always something else. You know, the closest to mastering it is, you know, our guy, Jace, the ace. But it's every time I go to the field, it's just another challenge to improve my precision, learn a new maneuver, put a sequence together or something like that. And so that, you know, I get, I, I like scale aircraft. I, I really love looking at scale aircraft, um, but flying them, I just get really bored really quickly just flying a few circuits. I don't mind gliders because it keeps me active yeah. and living in hope like fishing that I don't know. I'm hope I'm going to catch that fish. Uh, but um, yeah, scale aircraft. I love the way people build them. I really appreciate the effort people make, but when it comes to the actual flying of it, I start to fall asleep really after the second circuit. I go, okay, what do I do now? So go back to aerobatic planes. I really want scale wise a GB. I've always wanted one, never had one. And I am petitioning the boys at Horizon to create a Carbon Z GB. Can you imagine? Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be Big really cool. 
Yeah, that'd be yeah. great because uh, building ones challenge sometimes, and but um, yeah, you got to get onto them. That, they need ideas, and they can like make that. it fly right. They could put you know uh, yeah. a AS three X in there. Yeah. So I have a I have a JCA story. Um, I was I had a thing called the Hell Wagon. It was my RV that I hauled around all the events, and it said Billy Hell on the side. And so uh, my wife was like, "Look for the summer. Let's take a trip. We're going to drive all the way up to Michigan to see uh, my dad, and we're going to stop at the AMA flying site and camp there, and you can fly." And so we stopped all up and down the country. We got all the way up to Michigan, and we were driving to something during the day. I don't know what it was, and there was a, we drive by an RC field out of nowhere, and there's a huge show. And I, and I had my camera and I said, uh, can we go? And my wife's like, yeah, let's go. So we pull in, no one knows who RC groups is, which I couldn't even, I was, I was like, wow, no one knows who we are. The guy was like, what is it you want? And I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm just going to take some pictures. Yeah. So I'm, I'm out taking pictures and this guy and this little tiny kid walks up. I mean, a little boy. And he goes, are you with flying giants? And I said, yeah, I said, you, you know who we are. Awesome. And he's, and so, uh, 16 years later, seven, uh, 15 years later, I'm with Chris Henson. He's in town doing a show and he's rented a house and I'm sitting on a couch eating steak with Chase Ducia and John and Casey, who are my good RC hangout friends. And John said, do you remember that time in Michigan when, uh, me and Jace came up to you and Jace was about five years old? And I was like, that was Jace? Yeah. That was you? I had no idea. Yeah, no, they're a good bunch. I spent some time with the whole family in China with, with Chris at the same time and uh, absolutely awesome. You know, and we, we've stayed connected over the, over the couple, last couple of years and love to get over there at some point and spend some time and go for a fly. But uh, yeah, they're should. awesome. And, and Jace is just so good for the hobby. He's inspired so many people. He's been, he sort of started that next wave of freestyle aerobatics, more aggressive style, but He's just influencing people all around the world, and he's just so humble about it. He doesn't realize. And uh, of course, when I was with him, I said, "Jace, do you understand what you've created? That all these people at the flying field want to be you." And he just goes, "Oh well, <laughs> it doesn't phase him at all." But he, he he's awesome and a great family to boot as well. Where do you see RC groups and flying giants going in the future? You know, I think if we were going to change, we already would have. You know. And so really, I, I more at this point, my mindset is that people are going to or not, but I, I think they will realize the importance of forums, especially in a hobby like this. Um, uh, when I started building my 66 C10, I immediately was relying on truck forums to help me find answers to questions that I couldn't go down the street and ask somebody of. So um we're going to keep doing it. You know, we create reviews, we do uh, show events. We have people that cover events for us. Um, and it's all about shining the light on the hobby. And that's what I see. Just keep churning and burning, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, really when you look at a forum like RC groups of flying giants, it's almost like the backbone uh, of, of the hobby in a kind of way. And I'm not trying to pump your tires up to make it sound bigger than what it is, but, Really, when you think about the role that those forums have played and utilizing the internet, connecting like-minded people, uh, you know, for example, we look at the boom of FPV quads and drones that um, people wanted to find a place to connect and learn and forums have really played a critical part. And, you know, it, the, the Australian community has played a part in that as well. There's their own section on, uh, on RC right. groups that, that I'm linked into and just to see what's going on. 
but yeah, look, the forums have really done a great job uh, in 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 supporting that hobby. Are you, are you getting still a lot of support from some of the major manufacturers? Are they they pretty behind what you're doing? Yeah, so uh, the only real problem here is that companies like Hobbico and Vanished, you know, they were always a big part of what we did. And so Horizon, and the, the great part about Horizon is I know all those people and have known them a long time. So uh, like Jason Merkel is a post every Thursday and um, he's somebody that I can talk to. And moving forward, one thing that I actually was thinking about today that I have to do, Triple Tree went ahead and canceled all their events for the year. I'm canceling my event. Um, I think that I need to get back to the drawing board on these virtual events that allow people to jump on the forum, talk to each other, and then go fly with each other online. Yeah, I think uh, I literally had that thought myself that I need to start the weekly flat out RC real flight session because, you know, we're going to be locked down for six weeks now. So let's keep on, you know, giving people options. And that's what I think. That's the great thing about what you're doing is you're giving people options. You know, we're not forcing everybody to jump on a right. forum, but if you want to, it's there. If you want to join a virtual event, and uh, it, do you find that with a lot of those virtual events, it's mainly the three days that get onto those events, or are you seeing a mixed bag? Yeah, but you know, I see helicopters too. Yeah, and that's a good question. It is a lot of three D. So, but maybe that's what you do when you're on a flight simulator. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Fly in a circle on a flight simulator? That's what I'm finding is that uh, I'll get online every week with some some buddies and fly some aerobatics. And I suppose with the aerobatics, we're always trying to practice and it's a great way to do it. Um, and same with helicopters. That's, you know, you'd be crazy not to get on a simulator and learn how to fly yeah. a heli and get out there and give it I a taught, I taught myself how to land on a sim. I, cr I started crashing and I was like, I've got to do something. I sold an airplane um what was it a big stick it was horizon big stick and bought real flight and just landed 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 and then went to the field and that was it i was good yeah same experience i i practiced for years on the simulator before i actually got a real plane and my first flight when i turned up to a flying club there was nobody that flew mode two in australia a lot of people fly mode one but i, I flew mode two because i was learning how to fly hallies and it was a bit easier Anyway, I, I went to the flying field and, and they said, look, we don't have an instructor that flies mode two, but that guy, Dave, over there, he flies modes two, mode two and he's pretty good and he'll look after you. Next minute he said, oh, well, go and have a fly. And he, I flew his, his little stick that he had. I landed at first flight twice because I landed and he said, well, take off. And I took off and did a few more circuits and I landed again, straight down the middle of the runway, first flight. And that was on the back of simulator that I had all the orientation down pat just in the simulator. Yep. But then people would tell me, oh, simulators are not like the real thing. And I'm like, well, you see what I just did? Well, and that's the thing about real flight. It is like the real thing. Yeah, your and, brain and doesn't had, know. It's the same thing. It's the same muscle movements. Well, and it is about your thumbs and when that plane's flying away and then flying back at you. That's, that's really what you're learning. After that, it's all gravy. Yeah, that's right. Now, final question. And I, I always ask everybody this question. And that is, what has been your favorite model so far? I can tell you with, without thinking about it, my current favorite model is the Timber X because it ticks off so many boxes for me. It's got flaps, which isn't essential, but you, if you're a tinkerer, you like to have something that you can like mix with the ailerons or have flaps. And uh, it'll do 3D, but it's also kind of like a cub, so it can fly slow. Uh, you can do scale. Uh, maneuvers or you can uh do rolling uh 
Harriers or what it just does so many different things and it's not too big. It'll fit in my back of my truck. And uh, so that's my current thing. The coolest plane I ever owned in history, in my history of RC was a, uh, I think it was 72 inch Booker Youngmeister. It was a stick and, you know, all, all hand built and man, it had a, a Sato. What did it have on it? I'd say 72 seems too small for this plane, but it had a big golden, golden, what was it? golden night Sato. And it had a smoke system and it would knife edge all day long. It was just such a bad airplane, man. It was awesome. Yeah, no, nah, it's cool. And then if if my the plane I want to have is a GB, so what what plane what plane would you want if you that you don't have right now? Do you know what? Like, I, I'm in a position where I think I've got what what I what I need and what I want in a kind of way. So my hangar is full of predominantly aerobatic planes. So I've got a couple of uh, 3D Hobby Shop 100 CCs sitting there. I've got a, a 3D Hobby Shop Bigfoot, which ticks the boxes with the flaps. Yeah. And I flew that uh, yeah. a couple of weekends ago. It's still aerobatic. I can fly it, in a, take it to a scale show and still sort of participate. So I love that. Uh, I've basically covered every radio control sort of genre. I've got drones, FPV. I've even got a radio control yacht that a friend of mine gave me, which is awesome. I've been racing that a little bit. But the only thing now that I really want is a nice glider. Either a nice scale large glider or a competition carbon fiber kind of glider because I've got everything else. I've actually been selling aircraft because it's funny. I'm going to this stage where I'm trying to reduce my choice. That yeah. you know when you sit there and you say, "Oh, which plane am I going to take out today?" And you know, do I, how many thirty cc aerobatic planes do I need to have? You know that there's one that I like. I've got a beautiful extra. Well, I want to fly that. Why do I need another one when that's the one I want to fly? So I'm trying to tame things down. So I've been because I used to get a lot of free aircraft to review and all that. So I'm slowly culling the list to reduce my choice, so I don't have to sit there and think about which one I'm going to have to prepare. That are, you know the ones already go. But it, it really at this point in time is a glider. But the dream plane for me at some point in my life is the Super Chipmunk. I really want to have a nice giant scale Super Chipmunk with the Super Chipmunk scheme. I don't. It was because when I was a kid. I used to see them in magazines and think, oh, that's just that's just awesome. <laughs> well, you have to have something to look forward to, that's for sure. Well, uh, and you know what? Uh, and you'd be the same. There's always something that we're looking forward to, whether it be guitars, cars, model airplanes. I haven't bought a Gibson 335 because I know that that's kind of the end guitar, so I'm saving that one. Yeah, yeah, no, you've got to be. My, my brother has a lot of guitars. You'd love, he's got heaps. He's collecting all sorts of different things and and I, I go into his house and I go, and he often doesn't tell me what he's bought, but I'll say, have you got a Les Paul? He goes, yeah, which one do I want to look at? And I go, oh, right, yeah, yeah. Just pick it up and different strats and he's got a Gibson th- uh, 335, I think he's got, got one, but um, Telecasters, you name it, he's got everything. So, But that that's, we're aero modelers. We can't sit still. Well, so here's my rule about airplanes. If I don't fly it in a year, it's gone. And I have a guy now. I always wanted the guy, the guy that comes and buys it, My dad always had a guy who bought his car and then he'd buy a new car and that guy buy the old car. Right. And I'm like, why don't I have that guy? Yeah. So now they're, they're, I call him and I'm like, come on over. We got some stuff for you to look at. And he brings hundred dollar bills. And, but if it, if I'm flown in a year, it's gone. The, and I left out one thing, the ultimate airplane that's back there is called a lamb yak. And, uh, 
over the years of the Profile Brotherhood, there have been guys who've designed kits and they've honed and honed and honed. Then they've hybridized. So they take the wing off of this killer 3D plane and put on the fuse or the tail or whatever. And the lamb yak was custom made for me by a bunch of pro bros as a gift at one year at my event. And they presented it to me. It says Billy Hell on the bottom. And it is the best flying airplane I have. It is the most awesome black, red, and white. And if I crash it, I'm going to die. It's going, yeah. I will just be broken. But so it's back there. That's number one. And is that just, just keep that on the, on the wall uh, for show. Don't take it out very often nowadays. She, you know what? I look at airplanes like Vikings. They got to go out. They got to go to Valhalla and they need to go out in a warrior's death. So that airplane deserves better than to just hang in the back of the shop. It probably needs to start going out with me. And then when it does die, it'll die a warrior's death. Yeah, that's great. Well, Jim, you're an absolute legend. I, I really you know, wanted to have you on the podcast and, and thanks for joining me. And, and thank you for all the work that you've put in, that it's people like you that are giving us options in the hobby, that you're sharing knowledge. Uh, you're, you're backing those forums that, again, are, are helping us along as well and, and all the content that you've created and keep on doing. So thank you very much, and, and I hope you uh, stay uh, healthy and active in the hobby for many years to come. Thank you, sir. Thanks for thinking of me and inviting me. And everybody, come on over to RC Groups and hang out with us and uh, have, a, have a great week. That's right. Everybody, get on to RC Groups and Flying Giants. Just search it in Google and sign up. Thanks, Jim. All right, talk to you later. About to leave, already packing. Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Big thank you to Jim T. Graham for joining me on the Flat Out RC podcast. What a legend of a man. Uh, he's, he's, he's the kind of guy that, you know, I think he could achieve anything. Um, he's done so much in his life already and uh, still extremely active. And we had a good chat about playing guitars and uh, off air and things like that uh, because he's, a, he's an avid musician, as am I. I love playing my guitar. Actually, I've been playing my guitar, I've got sore fingers because I haven't been playing much. But now that I'm in lockdown, I've been playing my guitar, my tips and fingers are really, really sore. Anyway, I just keep on playing. I've got six weeks of lockdown ahead of me. So the Flat Out RC podcast keeps on rolling on. Don't forget to subscribe to this wonderful podcast on whatever platform you're listening to at the moment, uh, primarily uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also putting them up on the flatoutrc.com.au website as well. And don't forget to subscribe to our Flat Out RC Instagram and Facebook pages. Always trying to put some stuff up there. Keep up to date with when the latest podcast is out and that kind of thing. Uh, more podcasts coming i've recorded some other interviews so they are still rolling ahead to keep us occupied during this corona infested world that we live in stay safe wear a mask if you need to wash your hands a lot and just get in the shed and enjoy aero modeling listen to this podcast tell your friends about the podcast let's make it bigger and better so thanks for joining me once again and i will be in front of you next week